Take it away, Derek. What's your question? Why do you guys talk about comics so much? Comic yeah. books. Motherfucker, do you read them? 18 years. <laughs> Toothbrush is still fresh. <laughs> Did they have sex? Because, I mean, she Hulk, you know. Damn it, Tony. We went an entire episode without mentioning Maggot, and then you ruined it. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read him? Batman's got his little fishbowl on his head, but <laughs> Superman doesn't. Cyclops was right. Except when he was wrong. Master Bruce, you are calm. I'm going to silently judge all of you. Shut up, beast. <laughs> Shut up. Like, I've read it so many times, you know, it pretty much just crumbled in my hands. Come on, old chum. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? See, I didn't hate Hellcat until you made me read this miniseries. It was just a joke, but you made it real, Justin. No. You made it real. I, I prefer my Dazzler singing, like, Creedence Clearwater Revival songs at Australian bars. Titty discs. And... <laughs> That's what to be known as from now on. Like, I'm going to go into the Marvel Wikipedia and whatever it is. Get better than that. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Hey guys, welcome back to another Ragnarokerific episode of Fanholes Comics. Motherfucker, do you read them? Hey, what's up, guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your Asgardian hosts this evening, and I've got with us tonight. Three, count them, three of my fellow Asgardian fan holes. Why don't you guys give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight. Hey, it's Mike, and I cheat at baseball. Crom! Oh, crap, wrong guy, wrong guy. Uh, odds, odds blood. Uh, hey, guys, it's Tony. Hey, this is Justin, and I have been fully roused from the Odin sleep now. All right, so if you haven't figured it out, we are here to celebrate and rejoice over the release of Thor Ragnarok. So hopefully around the time you are listening to this, Thor Ragnarok is coming into theaters and you are rushing to see Hulk and Thor have a friendly workplace battle in the middle of the arena. But what we decided was we were going to do a stories from the spinner rack and thor would be our focus this evening so we asked everybody to come up with some of their spinner rack thor stories for us and what we're going to do is we're going to start off with the comic book that mike's bringing tonight so why don't you let us know what comic book you decided to bring and let us know what it's all about I brought avengers volume one annual number 16 it's actually part two of a two-part Store. The first part took place in West Coast Avengers Annual, and it continues here. And it both both kind of a sequel to Contest of Champions. Contest of Champions was a mini series where the Grandmaster gathered a bunch of superheroes from like around the globe, kind of pit them in a contest to. I, I forgot, Derek. Do you remember what the whole point of Contest of Champions was? Wasn't it just like a game? like that the grandmaster was playing to see i i, I forget like what the goal like I, don't he pits them against yeah each like i other, forgot but, the ultimate goal but he's he's competing against somebody else right i don't i don't know like I, yeah something like yeah. I, I don't know in whatever case this, this is kind of like this the... is kind of like a unofficial sequel to contest the champions yeah exactly it like this that led into this basically yeah and in whatever case like this this annual was part of a like, like a bunch of comics that my cousin like gave me for free back in the day so like obviously i i hold it in some esteem so 
The story is by Tom DeFalco. Breakdowns by Bob Hall and finishes by Tom Palmer for the art. Like I said, this is part two of a two-part story, so it's kind of in the middle of things. The Grandmaster has just shown up with, he has death captive. Actually, like the first line, I think we'll, we'll explain Contest of Champions. As a result of the Contest of Champions, the Grandmaster has restored the Collector's life at the cost of his own. Once within the realm of death, however, he schemed to conquer the final adversary. Now, after having pitted the West Coast Avengers against their eastern counterparts in Death's Domain, he has distracted and defeated Death itself. Bored with life, the Grandmaster has created five life bombs, which will cause a new Big Bang, replacing the present universe with one of his own design. When the Avengers challenge him to a final game, he pits them against the new Legion of the Unliving, composed of their deceased friends and foes. Thor, Hawkeye, and Dr. Pym battle the Executioner, the Swordsman, and Nighthawk in a fiery netherworld, where Dr. Pym is impaled on a stalagmite by Nighthawk and killed, while Thor defeats the Executioner, but is killed preventing the life bomb from exploding, leaving Hawkeye the only survivor of his group after he tricks the Swordsman using his trick arrows. Meanwhile, Captain Marvel, Moon Knight, Tigra, and She-Hulk face Drax the Destroyer, Death Adder, the original Green Goblin, and the Kree Captain Marvel in a tropical setting. Tigra defeats Death Adder, but is poisoned by him in the process. Moon Knight is killed by the Green Goblin. She-Hulk has her back broken by Drax. Captain Marvel succeeds in defusing their bomb, but her energy form is drained by the villains, while She-Hulk and Tigra pass away from their wounds. The Silver Surfer and Korvac fight to their mutual destruction in space. In a misty alien wasteland, Iron Man, Mockingbird, Doctor Druid, and the Black Knight face Dracula, Terax, the second Red Guardian, and the original Black Knight. Iron Man defeats Terax at the cost of his armor, while Mockingbird overcomes the Red Guardian. The two Black Knights are too evenly matched for either to win. Meanwhile, Doctor Druid and Mockingbird are both killed by Dracula, and the latter distracts Iron Man from defusing their bomb, which detonates. In an arctic wasteland, Captain America, Wonder Man, and the Wasp combat Hyperion, Baron Blood, and Bucky. Hyperion kills Wonder Man by driving him through the planet into a nearby sun, while Captain America beats Baron Blood. The Wasp, suffering due to the extreme cold, is crushed to death by Bucky, who Cap defeats before destroying their life bomb. Incredibly, only Cap and Hawkeye have survived the contest. Rather than undergo a second round with their late comrades added to the ranks of the Legion of Unliving, Hawkeye proposes a simple game of chance, which the Grandmaster cannot resist playing. He proffers two arrows, daring the alien gamesmen to guess which one has an arrowhead attached. When the Grandmaster chooses, Hawkeye cheats and keeps the arrowhead in his palm. With the Grandmaster lost, Death frees herself and exiles him from her realm then returns all the Avengers to life on Earth. Captain America is astounded to learn that Hawkeye cheated, and warns Thor to keep an eye on him as they continue their interrupted game of baseball. So yeah, that was really the annual, and uh, like, I, I like this, like, I really like this story. Like, obviously I have a, you know, affection for Hawkeye, and this is like one of, I'd say one of Hawkeye's, like, defining moments, basically, where he pretty much cons the Grandmaster into losing. So, like, I, I don't know. What do you guys think of this, like, story? I, I had never read this before, Mike. So, so one, thank you. Because for me, like, I'm, uh, you guys know I'm a big Silver Surfer fan. So seeing that chapter with Marshall Rogers art and everything, like, I was like, this is almost like a, 
a prequel to the ongoing Silver Surfer book that I love. So, so like that was super, super cool. And then it's just a smorgasbord of uh, like great pencilers, you know, doing all the different chapters and everything. I mean, it's like John Romita Jr. and Keith Pollard and, you know, like I said, Marshall Rogers, Jackson Geis and Kevin Nolan Zinking and all, all this cool stuff. Like I thought it was really cool. And you can't be watching Dr. Drew and get bitch slapped like you gotta love that right so i mean i i i, I enjoyed this i mean this is just kind of like a big grudge match basically like and and it was kind of cool to see all the different characters you know just kind of fight with one another although you, you you do start to wonder things about you know how, how does the whole you know winter soldier retcon fit into you know, Bucky being part of the Legion of Dead, you know? Looking at the the picture of the gathered, like, Legion of the Unliving, like, I was just going to go through it and, like, let's let's see. Um, The original swordsman may be alive currently. We don't know. Like, he, he was alive after Dead Avengers, but we don't, we haven't seen him since. Dracula's definitely come back to life. Bucky's come back to life. Nighthawks come back to life. Has the Executioner ever come back to life? I want to say yes, but I... I, I do too, uh, but yeah. What about the original Black Knight? Mm, I don't think so. Probably I, not, I think, well, yeah. Him and, then, him and Red Guardian probably are still dead, right? Yeah, the original Red Guardian, or maybe maybe it's supposed to be like another of the Red Guardians. There's been like three of them, I think. Oh, Terax has come back. Hyperion has come back, at least, or an alternate version of him baron bloods come back green goblin i guess it could be like bart hamilton or something <laughs> like because <laughs> let's see drax obviously has come back corvax come back death adder i think like a there's like a new guy as death adder but i could be wrong and then captain marvell you know obviously yeah. was a stinking scroll but <laughs> you know but i'd say like 90 percent of this legion of the unliving like is like no longer dead or you know they or, they, or they happily, came back in some fashion they're, they're, they're happily unliving like dracula oh and of course uh drax he came back <laughs> yeah mo movie star yeah, movie star drax oh he did say drax yeah. movie star drax the destroyer you, you know what i thought was weird was i i'd never seen you know it, it's weird to see green goblin fighting somebody who's not spider-man so like that chapter where like <laughs> moon knight faces off against them i mean i guess it kind of makes sense from a you know they're both kind of urban street level villain hero pair off you know like it, it 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 doesn't not make sense to pair those guys up but it just felt weird to me like where you're like oh why why it it, it just was like i was so not used to somebody who wasn't like spider-man you know going up against the green goblin yeah and well i mean this is also his more fist of conshu days too so he had that you know that aspect <laughs> he wasn't just you know crazy mark specter <laughs> Unlike Derek, I, I had read this before, and I forgot how much I enjoyed this because it's probably been about 20-some years since I read this. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is a really good one. And kind of like Derek, I really like the art in this, and I like the different pairing of the teams. And, of course, my man, the swordsman, has a little scene, so I like that. <laughs> but this has, like, one of my favorite comic tropes, I guess, and I don't think I've ever got to talk about this. I always am intrigued by the trope of, the good guys fighting a team of their dead friends or dead enemies or maybe just like 
you know, dead people or clones or something like that. Like I always kind of like, I like that idea. And that seems to be something that kind of pops up in Avengers every like five or 10 years or so, because we've had this Legion of the Living Dead. It's shown up before. I think it was like pre-Celestial Madonna era. Like you had something like that. But yeah, like I always kind of like that, uh, that concept. So whenever... Whenever I would see like a cover and it's like, you know, the Avengers fighting like the original Human Torch and Wonder Man and, you know, a bunch of other guys. I'm like, these guys are dead. Like how what what like what's going on? Like, well, I have to read this. So like I, I always I always really enjoyed this angle. And I always like I, I know Mike is our Hawkeye guy, but, you know, I've always liked Hawkeye, too. And I think this is one of those moments that really kind of clinched it for me. I'm like, oh, cool. Like, you can be of two minds of this. There's, like, some people would be like, ooh, Hawkeye's a dirty cheater. But I'm just like, no, nah, man, like, that's awesome. Like, he outsmarted this cosmic deity. Like, that's yeah. great. I love that. Used old carny tricks. It seems like this is, like, a good version of the kind of shenanigans they try to pull on, like, you know, the Justice League animated series, you know, where it's it's, like, clearly the more human kind of you know characters went out among these like cosmic demigods and everything but i mean it's done in a way that's sort of reasonable like he he plays to to grandmaster's hubris you know like or his his flaws that he can't you know he's he's obviously like an addict you know with his whole gambling thing like he likes to do that and so hawkeye just plays to you know, plays to his weakness and everything. So it's not, it's not completely out of left field that something, you know, somebody who, uh, you know, obviously if Hawkeye tried to punch out the Grandmaster, like that wouldn't work, but that's not what he does, you know? So it's like, it's a reasonable solution to, you know, the, the problem at hand and everything. And, and just so I, I know we just talked about this, but I, I just double checked real quick. And I guess strictly speaking, it sounds like Scourge stays dead, but like, there's there's some instances where I think the Enchantress gives another dude his axe and then there's like a new executioner for like five minutes or whatever. And there's a couple issues where they pluck him out of the time stream so he can be on other adventures or whatever, but it's before his death. So I think that's how that works out. I'm surprised they resisted having Moon Knight fight Nighthawk. Mm. Yeah, that that seems to be more of an obvious pairing than than him and Green Goblin. You know, I I don't know if you guys are gonna like throw Rotten Tomatoes at me or whatever, but I I did kind of think Iron Man was like totally outclassed, and I didn't understand why he even got sort of the draw he did because I was like, Jesus Christ, man, that's Terax. He's got like the power cosmic, but it's like, oh, let me just you know, repulsors. Yeah, I, was just like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. Like that's. I thought that was a yeah, little bit, but it's true. Yeah, I, one thing I kind of noticed about this issue, I never read it either. Um, it, it's kind of funny though because this was when I was kind of into West Coast Avengers, which is where most of the the well, not most of, but like the 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 versions that you see in this annual, they're they're the West oh, Coast yeah. Avengers like costume, like the you know Scarlet uh, Silver Centurion and and like I said, Fist of Constru, Moon Knight, and then well, this is, this you is know like that kind the, of stuff, which I, I really like. This is like the second part of, you know, like the first part of it was a West Coast Avengers annual. So, yeah, it totally is the same time frame. Yeah. yeah and it's like it's like the team up because the, the West Coast, the, the Wackos, they, they had interaction with the Avengers, but they were, of course, trying to build them as their own team. So it was kind of nice seeing them, you know, go back to the home squad and like have like this nice little team up. 
And I really like that. I was going to ask, though, is it just me? I know some of these guys obviously do this, but like, does does like Captain Marvel like have the worst track record of whenever he's resurrected, he's a bad guy? Yeah, he does. I, I can think of like I think I thought of like three separate occasions, including this one where he was resurrected as a bad guy, like this, like mm-hmm. as the scroll, and then like as in the cancer verse and stuff. So yeah, he just like because I'm like you know like a good number of these guys, you could say they played both sides of the team. Like Drax was kind of you know he was good and bad and everything like that, but like. Like Captain Marvel, after he like left the Cree, he was pretty much a good guy. And then, you know, after he had cancer and he came back, you know, every single time is like, ah, oh, Marvel, he wants revenge for dying of something that was not because of a villain or a hero. <laughs> well, I, I guess I guess their theme is their, you know, it's death versus the Grandmaster, so it's not so much good guys versus bad guys. It's it's living people versus dead people, and it doesn't really. I mean, yeah, some of them turn out to be villains, obviously, like Dracula and Green Goblin and stuff like that. But I would I would argue, like, Sir Percy of Scandia, like, the original Black Knight, like, you could argue, like, okay, he was, you know, the, the, the original, original Black Knight that fought during the time of Merlin was not necessarily a bad guy, you know what I mean? Like... Yeah. So, I mean, I, I get, you know, it's like, oh, the Black Knight was like an Avengers villain in the Masters of Evil, but that's like, I don't know. Anyway, I, I don't mean to needlessly complicate it, but it's like the swordsman, you know, like you said, you could go back and forth with him, maybe. But, I mean, strictly speaking, you're like, oh, dude was an Avenger, like Nighthawk and Hyperion and Captain Marvel and Drax, you know, to those degrees. I'd say I, I'd probably, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt and say those guys are good guys and say, you know, the only people that are strictly bad news in that group are, you know, Dracula, Green Goblin, Terax, and probably the Red Guardian because he's a dirty commie and barren blood, right? So, <laughs> you know, like that's, yeah. that's you know, that that's... It, it was funny. I, when, I, when I first looked at the cover, though, I was like... Oh, I can like name all these people, and I got them all right except for Dracula because I couldn't see his fangs. Uh, and I was, I was like, "What's Count Nefaria doing here?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, I you mentioned it, Derek, but it's like, like man, like Doctor Druid gets like utterly pwned by Dracula, <laughs> like and his like he, he, I was like I, in my notes, I wrote Doctor Druid loses staring contest with Dracula because it's basically like. <laughs> Dracula tries to hypnotize him, and then Dr. Druid has, like, a thought bubble where he's like, is my will strong enough to defeat Dracula's? Well, newsflash, Doc, it isn't. Nope. <laughs> nope. And then I love I love also, like, when they first arrive to that battlefield, like, Mockingbird has, like, a thought bubble where she's like, what a fucking creep Dr. Druid is. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know? She's like, I, I forgot, he's like... A, He's like fascinating. It is an alien landscape and blah 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 blah. And like then she has a thought bubble like where she's like, oh, what a cold fish. Like, oh, what a fucking creep he is. Well, I mean, it was kind of like established in Avengers too that like he was a part of the team. He he, you know, he does have some powers and stuff. But yeah, like the most of the team didn't like him. You know, <laughs> they thought he was kind of an asshole. This is the stuff that that's inked by Kevin Nolan, so it looks it looks really good. You know, in terms of the characters that they they were trying to do like because it's kind of moody looking for dracula and and i i i do love i mean i i know i know my avatar is from the, my own issue that that i was gonna do tonight but if anything tops my avatar of she-hulk bonking dr druid on the head it's got to be you know dracula going like i must congratulate you dr druid and then he just 
bitch slaps him. Like, you totally resisted me for five seconds, you know, but I, I love it. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like, there's there's a couple of panels in this uh, issue that, like, you know, do, do kind of have that feel. But, like, especially the cover, I got to give credit where credit is due. That is, like, you know, George Perez worthy as far as, like, just putting a whole bunch of fuckers on one, like, you know, cover, you know? Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of characters running out of in and out of this issue. And I think the reason I like it so much is because most of my favorite characters like like make themselves useful basically in this issue or at least do something cool i mean you know like like not for nothing i know i know technically the fight with korvac and surfer is a draw but i mean even surfer is my favorite character like he's pretty epic in it i mean he's fighting somebody that basically you know decimated the fucking avengers you know what i mean and and he fights him to a draw so i'm like dude i'm fine with that like that's that's you know it, i i don't think a lot of these matchups seem too ridiculous the only thing that i pointed out was i just thought that you know i i get what they were trying to say like they said okay iron man fought to his you know his limits and lost his armor and that's supposed to you know make up for terax losing but i mean other than that i i wasn't really like offended by any of the outcomes of the battles necessarily. I mean, I, I don't know if, if that's different for other, I, I don't know if like, you know, Justin's mad that like swordsman lost to Hawkeye or whatever, but you know, like I, I, I can't speak for anybody else, but I mean, for the most part, I was like, you know, this, you know, I mean, the only other thing that I, I, I could potentially point out is like, I, I think, you know, Wonder Woman drew the short, fucking straw because i'm like dude it's fucking hyperion like you know like what are you what are you gonna do dude but like you know even though he he tries his best you know but anyway kind of reminded me of like a superman versus like captain adam fight or something like i I was just happy that like this was also the era that like in west coast avengers and it shows here that like you know they're they're trying to rehabilitate hank pym from like all his backstory that was horrible and shit and there he's you know, trying to, you know, not be the, the you know, the woman hitter or the, like, you know, the Ultron creator. He's actually trying to be, you know, Dr. Pym and stuff. And I, 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 I always like that. Like, Dr. Pym was my favorite iteration of Hank Pym. It, it always will be. So it's too bad he gets killed, like trying to hold up a wall or whatever. Like Nighthawk just stabs him when he's trying to, like, prevent the whole cave from collapsing. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean. That was like, you know, not an awesome death, but it also kind of was because it's more heroic than he had been shown to be up to that point in some comics. <laughs> I suppose Marvel has every right to be bummed because he's like, woman, you stole my name. You know, like that's why that's why he's on death's side. Right. Like, shouldn't you be named Photon? <laughs> How many Captain Marvels have there been? God, a Thanks, lot. Derek. It's called a mantle for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's totally what that scene with with uh, Monica Rambeau reminded me of, where he comes up and he's like, he's like, you have my usurped my name. It reminded me of that whole <laughs> Captain Marvel deal. You guys mentioned Red Guardian a couple of times. I was actually kind of happy with him because I know Derek is very aware of this. So I, I think Mike and Justin are kind of you know, by this point aware of like. I have this kind of like fascination and love of villains who, by and large, in this day and age, a lot of comic book fans consider morts or like, you know, not really that cool. 
And I even have the Red Guardian action figure from Marvel Legends. And I'm like, you know, when I saw him on the cover and I was like reading, I was like, yeah, you know, he's like dirty commie, like Red Guardian. But I'm like, dude, they, they like, you know, they have they have Hyperion. They have, you know, Captain Marvel. They have Dracula. And then fuck it. Let's have, you know, Red Guardian. Oh, <laughs> uh, like I was saying about my favorite characters looking cool. Like, man, like Bobby, like destroys him. Like, I don't think he even lands a hit on her and. She must have been like, what What was Natasha going on about this guy? He wasn't so tough. <laughs> well, I mean, like I said, he is a mort for a reason. But <laughs> I was just glad he showed up. I was just like, he's there. He, he, he didn't do a whole lot, but he's there. <laughs> also, this is also my favorite iteration of Thor. I, I always liked the the, the, the the beard without the the weird goggles like era, I guess, as far as like. I didn't read a lot of Thor when I was a kid, but like I remember the stories I would read would be either this one not this one, this comic, but like this this iteration of Thor, or the uh, which is actually going to lead into my comic later on, the uh, Eric Masterson, you know, uh, era. So that was nice too. This, this 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 issue was really fun, Mike, because it really reminded me of like a time when I was kind of getting into the Avengers and I actually knew like who all these people were. You know, it, was, it wasn't like the team that I was like, you know, like I never was a huge Namor guy. I know who he is now, but as a kid, I was like, "Who's the submariner?" You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This was when annuals were like good. Like I, I feel like in the '90s, annuals became like a vehicle for introducing like new characters and stuff like that. But this is like you know, this is like what an annual should be like a big epic story, like tons of you know Avengers and you know fighting a cosmic level threat. Yeah, yeah, and, and 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 it was it was sort of a logical crossover too, with you know involving both East and West Coast Avengers. So there was sort of a more organic crossover as opposed to the whole you know not only just introducing new characters, but it seems like eventually you know annuals just became like oh we want everybody to buy every annual that comes out in the year, so we're just gonna you know make a, a storyline that ties them all together, even though it makes no sense for the new warriors to hang out with Sleepwalker or, you know, whatever cockamamie, you know, thing they come <laughs> up with, you know? So, I mean, I remember there was the one thing where it was like, it went from like the Punisher to the fucking Guardians of the Galaxy. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> this is fucking insane. It's like, read, 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 read this Spider-Man annual to learn about the hot new character, Annex. Yeah. Uh, so. Right. But our, yeah, that's when they start doing like, stuff like the Evolutionary War and all that kind of crap. Yeah. Yeah. Director Fury, the internet is besieged with lame, lifeless podcasts. What we need is a hard-charging, foul-mouthed band of brothers with chemistry, big brains on comics, and personality. Personality goes a long way. What we need is the Marvel Superheroes Podcast. I'm a legal machine. Diablo Frank. And I am Mr. Fixit. Nick, internet radio is saved. Get this motherfucking podcast off the motherfucking iTunes. The Marvel Superheroes podcast can also be found on Shout Engine, Stitcher, the Internet Archive, and on Rolled Spine Podcasts blogs. So I guess we'll we'll move on to the next choice of the evening, and this is a book that me and Justin were going to fight it out over, but but I, I think it was something that we we both had in our our lists of of Thor spinner rack stories. 
But when Justin said he was going to take this, I, I quickly thought of a different story. But I'm going to let Justin tell you what comic he brought tonight and go into it. Well, since Derek and I are secret brothers, there's no need for fisticuffs. But I will be discussing The Mighty Thor, number 391. It has a publishing date of May 1988. And the story is called The Madness of Mongoose. Written by Tom DeFalco with pencils by Ron Friends. And the story begins with Thor in his mortal form of Sigurd Jarlson. Uh, he's returned to Earth after an extended amount of time away from Midgard. And he's basically, he's making his way to his apartment building. And then he's like, wait, my apartment's not here. In fact, the whole building is not here. And he, he quickly like, makes a phone call. And he gets a job with a friend who's working at like a construction site. And there's some drama with the building. There's some kind of like diva guy who's like the architect guru or whatever. What happens but the deadly mongoose shows up and for whatever reason decides Sigurd is going to be his designated sacrifice. And he knocks him off the building. And he is uh, at this time without Mjolnir. It's like in a box somewhere or something. And he's falling to his death. And then who saves him but... The amazing, spectacular Spider-Man. So as Spider-Man grapples with the mongoose, Sigurd runs and gets Mjolnir, turns into Thor, and they have this uh, big three-way battle. In the course of the battle, like Thor and the mongoose do a lot of damage to this uh, skyscraper that's under construction, uh, with the final blow being dealt by the mongoose. And this skyscraper is about to collapse when Thor, when using all of his Asgardian might, holds up the entire building while Spider-Man braces it with various girders and his webbing. And that's the uh, uh, quick and dirty version of the story. I bought this at a... I don't know, kind of like... It, it was always a, kind of a weird store. Like, I called it the toy store. But it was like half toys and the other half was like hardware. And it... It was weird because the toys, they were like new old stock because like I remember going there in like the mid to late 90s and finding old Master of the Universe toys. And even in like 2004 when the place was about to like shut down, I remember finding like the old Mighty Morphin Power Rangers figures with like the flip heads. Like I remember getting those there. So it was like a, this weird store, like a weird mix of stuff. But anyway, there were two magazine racks and two spinner racks. The spinner racks always had new comics, and the magazine racks would have comics that were one, two, sometimes three years old. Um, so it was just this weird hodgepodge of a store, and, but I, I loved it. I always loved like going there and, and digging around. So like I, I don't know if I bought this like brand new off the spinner rack or if I got it off the like, you know the old stuff on the magazine rack. But I, I do remember like getting it there. And full confession. I bought it because basically Spider-Man was on the cover, and I liked Spider-Man. I, I knew who Thor was, but I didn't know much about him, and I think this was like kind of a good issue because Spider-Man is in this book quite a bit. I mean the first 
several pages it's all spider-man and he's like oh i'm glad to be back into my red and blue suit and oh boy like mary jane's making like killer money like with her like modeling stuff and oh like it's weird that she's making more money than i am but i gotta get used to it blah 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 like it's a lot of it's a spider-man heavy issue of thor which i thought was kind of weird like reading it now but i think as a kid it was a good introduction for me because like I quickly became a huge Thor fanboy. Like I read a lot of Thor comics later on. But with like with that being said, like I do have questions for for Derek because I know he'll he'll he's more knowledgeable. Like to be perfectly honest, like I kind of forgot about Thor's Sigurd Jarlson identity. Like, could, do you can you like explain this the, what, to me as though I were a two year old? Because like I kind of forgot all about. I that. think I if I'm remembering correctly, at some point. They, without getting too complicated, I think they accused Don Blake of, like, either Jane Foster's murder or, I don't know, there there was some kind of thing. And, and basically, like, I think the long and short of it is eventually he had to give up his Don Blake identity and then they go into the Walt Simons and stuff. And in that, he's just Thor. Like, there, it's kind of like the movies. There is no secret identity or anything. But then I think when, when he started coming back to Earth, I think at some point he's like... Well, I can't be Don Blake anymore because that's all you know, old news and said and done and stuff. And so he he was like, well, somebody's got to hook me up with like some kind of civilian mode or whatever. And I think Nick Fury just said, all right, you're like Sidgard Jarlston, and just put on this ponytail and put on these glasses and like nobody'll know who you are. And I think it was supposed to be like a dig at like you know, Superman, basically. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that, that's, 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 I mean, I might be missing a few beats, but I, I think that's the basic gist of it was ultimately, I mean, it, it was kind of a dig at Clark Kent that kind of stuck, you know, but at least for this era at any rate. The, the other thing I thought was interesting is this issue is actually the first appearance of Eric Masterson, who will in about 10, 15 issues, he'll become very important to the, Thor mythos. Indeed. Yeah, I, I just like you, man, I mean, Secret Brothers, I mean, the, the main reason I picked up this book off a, a spinner rack was because it had Spider-Man on the cover. And then this is that era where you can even see he's got the Die Spinne, which is like German for the spider, and that comes from the whole like Spider-Man versus Wolverine one-shot, where he, he, he didn't bring his black costume, which was the only one he had at the time, and then he had to go to like a Halloween shop to to find a costume like in the middle of the night and it was at this german halloween shop so of course it, he's like this is kind of like my costume except for it says die spinne on the back of my my uh spider or whatever <laughs> you know and, and then that was like his costume for like i don't know like ever since venom like scared mary jane you know like that that was what he was wearing and stuff but yeah like you said like they, they totally do have a heavy focus on on Peter Parker, but they they do a good you know it, this is that you know Tom DeFalco Ron Friend stuff. So it, it, to me, in retrospect, it's it's funny reading this, realizing like oh these guys are going to be the architects of like the MC two universe and the whole you know Thunderstrike and and you know Spider Girl and all this other stuff and seeing like that they you know they they always had a good handle on storytelling the art was really good i mean you know something for me like you know being a stickler and wanting to yell and scream every time spider-man spider sense is forgotten about it's like there's a moment where they need mongoose to to gas spider-man 
but they do a good job of kind of saying like my spider sense warned me but i just couldn't dodge it in time you know and to me like that's good enough you know like at least they they acknowledge that that his spider sense was going off the whole time and he's dodging you know feral claw attacks left and right but then when the gas comes out he just he he was ready for a claw attack not to be gassed you know and and so like those are those kind of things where i enjoyed that and there's you know there's a bit of humor with the guy you said was kind of like this diva or whatever you know like on the whole you know he's kind of telling him like man i i watch like sylvester stallone movies and i can totally tell you how to fight the mongoose man you know <laughs> it's all this kind of like stupid shit and then you know they have that big epic scene where like he holds up the whole building and that splash page of that building that's that's Justin's avatar where he's like I must hold up this building I must you know it was just like so freaking epic because you're like it it really it's one of those things where I feel like if it was one of the kind of quote unquote hot artists of the 90s like something the impact of that might have been lost but because you had a guy like Ron Friends who was a very uh, you know, and this isn't like a degrading thing, but he, he was like a, a a workman, a draftsman. Like, I mean, everything in this issue, it's it's clean storytelling. Like, you know what's going on with the building. You know that the, the, the you know, scaffolding is full, falling all over the place. And then just to see this perspective of like all the people and the, the blow in the street, like you can tell, like if this building collapses, like it's going to be some serious shit. And you can also tell the magnitude of what Thor is doing, like how, how much of a toll it's taking on him and everything. So, I mean, that, that kind of stuff I thought was cool. And then, you know, I, I guess for me, like I was never, when I was younger, I was never too into the, the kind of Shakespearean speech, you know, like, that that Thor had, you know, like, and and so you know, seeing that Eric Masterson is introduced in this issue, it it kind of makes me think, like, to be honest, like, even though this was probably the first Thor comic I ever picked up, I think I didn't start collecting it regularly until they they sort of killed off Thor and Loki, and then they they you know turned Eric Masterson into Thor because by that point yeah. I could kind of get a handle on it like he kind of talked like a normal dude and I was like oh I I kind of I you know for me it was it was that you know once they dropped the whole traditional speech pattern that's when it was easier for like you know 10 year old me to kind of like get into Thor and everything so I think Spider-Man should have like you know when Thor was holding up the building Spider-Man should have been like just think of your Aunt May that's what it always works for me he's, he's, <laughs> he's like I'm just gonna web up a, a spider feather here coochie coochie coo it's like god damn it I had never read this before but I liked it like obviously I like Spider-Man and you know this is a good like guest spot for him and I feel like like Thor and Spider-Man are kind of an unlikely duo, but they like Thor is not someone that I think of like as being a dick to Spider-Man. Like sometimes like Captain America and sometimes Iron Man are like a dick to Spider-Man for whatever reason or not. But Thor always seems like cool with him. So like it's nice that that theme is continued. I I will say that it's kind of interesting because the fact that this is a Spider-Man heavy, like, you know, guest star role like the mongoose, even though he is definitely able to go toe to toe with Thor and, and very impressively, he does seem like 
more of a Spider-Man villain, just that he's animal themed and, you know, he's, you know, he, he seems like he's almost like a street level like villain, but he's actually pretty powerful. I was like really kind of impressed by him and like actually maybe it's like my Mort sensibilities. Some people might think his costume looks lame. I think he looks kind of cool, actually. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of like, you know, mocking the mongoose, but like I... I I know he fought Spider-Man once before, but I think after this, he did kind of become a reoccurring villain with like Thor and even the Eric Masterson version of Thor. And I, uh, Derek can probably correct me if I'm wrong about this, but like, didn't the mongoose actually start out like as a mongoose and the high evolutionary like did his dirty work to him or something like that? He he might have been, you know. I gotta be honest. I, I I'd have to look up the damn mongoose because I don't I don't know. I remember he had an entry in, in Marvel Universe. Yeah, he had an entry in Marvel Universe. For the life of me, I can't remember it. The only thing I remember is it actually did have one of the uh, fight scenes from this issue in it, and I, I recognize it when I read this issue. I never read the issue before, and I was like, oh, that's where that's from. That's the only thing I remember. I don't remember anything else about the mongoose. <laughs> I don't know what a, a classic Thor story is. I mean, I know about like, like Simons and stuff, and I've read some of that. In my later years, but as a kid, I wasn't really familiar with Thor. I just knew he was the guy who had a hammer. But, like, I don't know if this would be a classic Thor story, but this is like a classic comic book story. This is like a good team-up. And and like you said, Mike, you know, Thor and Spidey, they get, they get along well. You know, he's not like, you know... All right, kid, you know, well, or, you know, all right, you know, young, you know, whelp, go back to, you know... Web swinging on yonder, you know, building and yeah, stuff. No, no one, no one's calling Spider Man a young fool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He actually, you know, he, like he's he's glad for his help and everything. And probably, probably the the one of the best moments is when you know the building's collapsing and stuff. And like in a modern comic, it would probably just be a close up of someone's face. You know, if it was like you know Hulk or somebody like that, or whoever was doing like this amazing feat, or even you know Thor and. It would just be them grimacing and being like, you know, like, you know, like, you know, bleeding from the forehead and stuff. And you wouldn't really get the impact. You'd be like, oh, OK, he's he's having trouble. But but just seeing like, you know, the fact that he's keeping this building from falling down and like like that wide shot, you know, that that is, you know, Justin's avatar. It's just like, damn, you, you almost forget how strong he is. And then you're like, oh, yeah, he's fucking strong. <laughs> What's beautiful about it is. It's a splash page. It's a splash page done for emphasis because it's an essential part of the story. It's not a splash page because Todd McFarlane wanted to make a few extra hundred bucks selling some original art on the, you know, aftermarket or something. It's there because... Let's make this a poster! Be, yeah, it's yeah. like, this is not this is not a poster that anybody's going to pay for or whatever. You know what I mean? But but it, it is it is a, a essential like impactful part of this story you know and 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 that's why i just think it's like that it's one of those things where it's like this textbook oxford dictionary definition like you want to just point to that page and go see that's what a fucking splash page is for you know what i mean like not not to show like spider-man's armpit and you know his foot up around his head or whatever you know it's like this is you know, this is totally what a splash page is meant to be used for. So, well, I, I think you nailed it too. Is like we're we're not making fun of modern comic artists. I mean, they they are very talented people, but I, I think the best way to put it is is it's a technically perfect layout. You know, you get everything 
in one shot. And like I think in a modern like comic, it would be more stylized. It would be more, you know, like you said, more postery and you know, but like even though this may not be like glitziest, you know, it's not like, you know, digitally colored and, you know, like up to like the newest, like, you know, you don't see, you know, freaking Thor's, you know, uh fucking uh veins popping out of his like his arms, even though you can't see it from this far away anyway, they'll probably find some way to do that. <laughs> like modern comics <laughs> they they do like a little tomino circle like where where you can it's pointing to the little tiny figure at the bottom of the building but then they do like a close-up on his face still where he's like his veins are popping. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah like yeah it, it's, it's it's i guess not only just technical it's clean it's clean you get the impact like you said it, i mean it, it is an epic thing you know and and it, it it does like framework the whole story, which like, you know, I, I, you know, agree. I, I didn't really think of it that way, but I was like, yeah, you know, this is, this is what this battle had been building to, you know, they've been damaging this building for the entire fight and now shit's getting really, really real. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, I, 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 obviously I like this issue. It's on, you know, my top 10 list of Thor stories, you know, mainly for sentimental reasons because it's one of the first, but I, I think it is, as, as Tony said, it's, it's, excellent and very technically proficient and that that is why it has a degree of excellence this is the old father odin and you should be listening to radio free asgard no no that's just not gonna work let's try this again this is the evil loki and if you hate thor as much as i do you should be all right let's just try one more thing jane foster here and you should be uh, risen all right let's just keep this simple Hello, everybody. My name is Tom Harris, and I do a podcast called Radio Free Asgard, which airs every Thursday over at RadioFreeAsgard.com. We cover the adventures of Thor, Hercules, and more from ancient times all the way up into the present day. We read old comics and make fun of them. I do ridiculous voices and generally make an ass of myself. So if that sounds fun to you, you should come join us, the only Thor podcast hosted by a true descendant of Odin, over at RadioFreeAsgard.com, and we'll see you there. The next book is actually mine, and this was something that I had to come up with because I, I knew that Justin was going to be doing Thor 391, so I was like, well, what else can I pluck from my, my spinner act days that involves Thor? And the comic I thought of, it's... I guess, strictly speaking, I mean, there were a lot of plot threads running through Avengers at the time, but I guess technically this is kind of the third part of a three-part story, and it is Avengers 297. The on-sale date was July 19th, 1988, but it has a cover date of November 1988. The title is called Futures Imperfect, and on the cover it says, The Clash That Wrecked the Avengers. And we can see on the cover, Thor is manhandling. He's got Dr. Stupid Druid in, in an arm lock on the cover. And then we've got Black Knight in his his suit, his armor, his cursed armor. And he's, he's at the, the controls of the Quinjet. And then, of course, She-Hulk is ravaging Nebula, who has infiltrated the Kang Cross Time Council. So it's it's a pretty epic looking cover. It is penciled by John Buscema. It's inked by Tom Palmer, and they also do the pencils and the inks on the inside, and the story is written by Walter Simonson. 
The, the only thing I'm going to say, and, and I, I didn't bring this up too much for the Avengers annual, but Tom Palmer is pretty famous, at least for, or, or at least he's he's got a, a long run of inking with Avengers. And I, I gotta say, like, even on somebody whose pencils are as good as John Basima, like, I've always kind of not liked Tom Palmer's inks. Like, I, I feel like besides bomber jackets, like, Tom Palmer inks are what kind of drove me away from the Avengers back in the day. But anyway, I, I just thought I'd throw that out there because I, I, for whatever reason, it just always looked kind of, I don't know what the right word is, like, like I, I don't want to say scratchy, but I just, I don't know. I just never, I, I, I've never been a big fan of, uh, of Tom Palmer inks for whatever reason. But I'll go ahead and give a, a synopsis, and then we can, we can talk about the issue. So the issue opens up with Nebula and the current membership of the Avengers, which is comprised of Thor, Dr. Druid, She-Hulk, and the Black Knight, having reached the barrier of the time bubble via Quinjet in outer space. Nebula actually had infiltrated the Council of Cross-Time Kangs in search of the greatest celestial weapon in the Omniverse. She manages to bamboozle the then chairman of the Avengers, Dr. Druid, and mind control the other Avenger team members to breach the barrier of the time bubble and enact the plot of Star Trek V about a year too early. <laughs> As they enter the time bubble, millions of variations and alternate probability quinjets race alongside them to their goal of ultimate power. Nebula then commands Thor to add to the Quinjet's speed with his hammer, and the Black Knight is instructed to use his ebony blade to cut through anything standing in their way. As Nebula and the Avengers make their way through futuristic cities and fantastic landscapes, the Council of Cross-Time Kangs, which are made up of this trio, Chairman Kang, Earth Mesozoic 24, and Earth 123488, dot two three four nine seven or as we like to call him kang fred <laughs> may have missed the avengers <laughs> departure on avengers island but resync to arrive moments before the quinjet leaves for the mission and stow away when nebula encounters time turbulence mesozoic kang falls off the quinjet and is lost outside the ship's probability field forever Sensing something is wrong, since they haven't really penetrated the time bubble and are stuck in a time flux instead, Nebula determines that since only Avengers were predicted to breach the time bubble, Druid and the team must nominate and approve her as an Avenger so they can cancel the time flux event. Nebula then has She-Hulk chuck the Black Knight out the airlock since his destiny is tied to the past and not the future. Time bubble breach. However, Chairman Kang manages to snag the Black Knight with his tractor beam, determined that no Avengers must die just yet. The Fred Kang manages to deactivate Thor's quote-unquote mind-bender device, and he attacks Nebula. She-Hulk manages to subdue Thor for a moment, and Nebula plans to use her own Kang armor to destroy him. Fred Kang is spotted by Nebula on the Quinjet, and he disables She-Hulk's Mindbender as well, while the Chairman Kang releases Black Knight. She-Hulk, thinking Nebula has made her kill the Black Knight, intends to return the favor to Nebula. 
The Council of Crosstime Kangs get knocked off the Quinjet, but not before Black Knight climbs back onto the Quinjet. As She-Hulk moves in to kill Nebula, the countermeasure on Thor's mind control has worn off, and he defends his mistress. She-Hulk elbows Thor in the face and punches him through the Quinjet window, which helps Thor snap out of the mind control. Dr. Druid lamely tries to tackle Thor, and She-Hulk <laughs> one-bops him over his stupid bald head. Black Knight takes over the Quinjet controls as She-Hulk tears apart Nebula's Kang armor. When Nebula tries to teleport away, the damage to her armor fries her as the time bubble is breached by an alternate Quinjet, the suction pulls in Nebula and Lamo Dr. Druid into the time bubble, hopefully, even though we know this isn't true, never to be seen ever, ever again. Thor, Black Knight, and She-Hulk return to Avengers Island, and Jarvis is waiting for them. She-Hulk is an emo crybaby because she almost killed Black Knight and wanted to kill Nebula, oh no, and decides she needs to take her leave from the Avengers. Thor and Black Knight head off to be in a buddy movie called 48 Hours in Asgard, and Jarvis informs the West Coast team that the East Coast Avengers are no more. Dun-dun-dun. So this is kind of like an end in an era of Avengers, which most people are probably like good riddance. But I, I did think of this because this obviously does heavily feature Thor. Why did I buy this? Because I, I really didn't know too much about the Avengers. But what I did know was, see, you'll see how my twisted mind works, is I liked Spider-Man and his amazing friends, just like I liked the Superpowers team and the Super Friends. So anything that I saw that was kind of familiar looking to me when I was first getting into comics on the spinner rack and really, really collecting them was like, oh, I know that guy. He's an action figure. Or, oh, I know that dude. He was in a cartoon. So what I knew was Iceman. And I was like, I know Iceman, he's Spider-Man's amazing friend. So I was buying X-Factor comics. And in X-Factor 32, they fight like these fake simulations of the Avengers or whatever. And the Avengers were this team. Dr. Druid, Thor, She-Hulk, and Black Knight. So I recognized them. It was like a really cool, I think, Steve Lytle cover that issue of x-factor and so because i recognized that team i saw 297 staring at me at a quick stop in the spinner rack and i was like oh i i know those guys okay i'm like i you know i gotta kill some time so we'll read this and i i don't know that it, it it's weird i think i i kept buying this because not so much because i loved the story but because the Inferno crossover was going on. And so the next three issues after this, like, had to do with Inferno, and they had a totally new team. And by that point, I think I was buying, like, Captain America, and he was, Steve Rogers was, like, the captain. So by 300, you know, the captain came back and was leading, you know, the Avengers. So after that, I, I stuck with it a little longer. But... I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know that it's the greatest Avengers story or anything. I just know that this was basically the first Avengers comic I ever bought. It was kind of super complicated, like kind of like the way most people criticize X-Men comics, maybe, for being 
impenetrable. Like I could see, like you know, why maybe I didn't. Because if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, I think I stuck with Avengers till about issue three hundred two. So that was what like six months later, and then I was like, later for you, Avengers. And then I think I started <laughs> reading it again once Acts of Vengeance was going on, which was like, you know, 311, 312-ish around that point, because that was another big event. And I was like, oh, okay, I kind of want to be in the know on this event. And I came back to them and everything. But, I mean, that's that's kind of, you know, and, and I think this cemented why I think Dr. Druid is the lamest Avenger who's ever lived, because... He's the lamest <laughs> Avenger who ever lived. I mean, you don't need much more evidence than, than this issue and getting bitch slapped by fucking dead Dracula in the Avengers annual to tell you that Dr. Druid is bar none the lamest Avenger that's ever been. And and, and given I'm the guy who doesn't like Jack of Hearts, so it, it, he must be lame if he's lamer than Jack of Hearts. So, Well, well Dr. Druid always seems to forget when he's Avenger the, the, the prime edict of the Avengers. Bros before hoes, man. Well, it's interesting because now we've got rock star, movie star Nebula. So I guess I guess Karen Gillan is seducing uh, Doctor Druid here or whatever. But um, I yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know. It's it's weird. I I kind of forgot that this was Nebula to be honest because I I kind of you know it's like she had basically I think in the issues before this they they she she is just a female Kang who's like sort of seducing these other members of the Kang time council to try and like get all their, their secrets, like their, their technology and weapons and everything. And like, she was just kind of scheming people to be like an awesome granddaughter of Thanos and like, you know, I don't know, you know, make a name for herself or whatever. But this, this kind of, I mean, I don't know, like, Nebula and Doctor Druid seem to kind of deserve each other. Like they both seem kind of like lame. <laughs> like because it's like Doctor Druid is just like not as cool as Doctor Strange, and Nebula is never gonna like compare to fucking Thanos. So it's like they're just fucking these lameos who don't don't really meet their aspirations and get sucked into a black hole. So I was kind of like you know it kind of I guess maybe this issue kind of you know define those characters for me in a, in a negative light or whatever. <laughs> as <you know>? being lame. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As far as the Kang Council and all that stuff being a really dense issue, this was, there was, this, there, there was a lot of uh, exposition at times. It seems like anytime they do anything with Kang, Mortis, or Rama Tut, the, the timey-wimey stuff is like, you really gotta penetrate it with your head and be like, okay, see where we're at. <laughs> well, like, none, none of these guys are what, I guess, you know, internet would refer to as the prime Kang, you know what I mean? No, so it's, it's not, it, I could see why it would get confusing. I mean, I, I think in some of those issues at some point, there was like a lizard dude who was Kang, you know, it was like, it was like everything was Kang, but he had like a, a lizard face coming out of the mask or whatever. So like there were, there were a lot of those kind of storylines and stuff. I mean, you know, and it, it's not, it's not like you couldn't follow the story, but I mean, I think especially when you're, you're in a position like this where you have to sort of, describe what happened you realize like how sort of complex the narrative is you know I, i'm 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 just wondering like what you guys i mean had you guys any of you guys had you read this before is this something you were familiar with or was this the first time you were reading it or i i had read this before like i i think i've read every issue of the first volume at one point but when you mentioned this i was like wait what 
what's going on in this but like when i saw the cover out it immediately like brought back memories yeah this is not like an era that i've read a lot because i think you know i really like the previous roger stern stuff like i really like that and this kind of always felt like a little bit like maybe it was riding the coattails and like you guys i can't stand dr druid and then like immediately after this it's like you get into that whole weird era of the avengers where it's like you know steve rogers as the captain gilgamesh mr fantastic and invisible woman and i'm just like i, I just remember <laughs> i remember being a kid and getting those hey, hey, there too <laughs> oh, yeah but like i i just remember like being a kid and getting those back issues and kind of like having to power through them well, it's like it's like the issue after this is like a solo Jarvis story. So I mean, it's like one of those things. Why I, I remember like, uh, like what I was, happened. I, I do agree with you, Justin, because I remember like I was reading some other comic. I don't know. I can't remember what it was, but like they had this big full page teaser for Avengers three hundred, and it, it was that lineup on the cover. You know, it was like Mister Fantastic, Invisible Woman, Thor, the Captain, not Captain America, the Captain, still Steve Rogers, and Gilgamesh, the Forgotten One. And like you know, as a kid, my first thing was is like, oh, I know those two people. I know Thor. What happened to Captain America? And then of course, my you know main thing is who the hell is this fuck? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like that's what everybody's like. Who the fuck is Gilgamesh? <laughs> Yeah, like, got better later on because, like, Namor rejoins, and then Quasar joins, and then Cersei joins, yeah, and then yeah. that's, like, the that's like the very, like, that's, edge that's, of, that's, like, the bomber jacket. It's like nobody yeah. nobody's wearing a bomber jacket just yet, but it's coming, <laughs> you know? This is a weird issue to just, like, read, read like this because I was like, wait, so what's going on? Like, I had to, like, kind of go back and, like, refresh my memory a bit because, like, the cross king council like is this i I remember kind of like struggling with this story like when i was reading volume one like 20 years ago or whatever but like it it's just like you know kind of like derek said it is like this weird kind of like somewhat mind-boggling x-men type story and i don't know that i've ever like fully like wrap my brain around it because it's so weird and like this issue has one of those things i don't like that comics do sometimes it's like you have like all these characters and they're being mind zonked and like she just throws like black knight out of the quinjet and i was like wait what and they're they just act so nonchalantly about it because they're mind zonked and i was kind of laughing at it but i was like oh like i i kind of like you know whereas i always like when you've got like the adventurers fighting like dead people like whenever you have like people being mind zonked or acting like you know, out of the ordinary, like, I'm kind of, like, turned off by that, you know, just like I'm turned off by, like, when people turn into, like, apes or something, you know, uh, like, that's yeah, yeah. weird, don't do that. Wasn't this, this during the time when, like, there was a kind of subtle, I don't know, because I didn't read a lot of Avengers, wasn't there, like, kind of a subtle romantic thing that they were kind of in, in, like, uh, in, like, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word, interpreting between She-Hulk and Dane, or am I wrong? I don't I know, like, he had a huge crush on the Wasp, and Wasp wasn't really having any of that, but that's, like, I think that's, like, the beginning of the Roger Stern era. Hmm. It's, like, it's like before this, like, Captain Marvel or Photon or Monica Rambeau was, like, the official chairman of the Avengers, and then she got all, yeah. like, old and wrinkly or whatever because of some adventure <laughs> yeah. they had and then and then like after that it's like it really solidifies like what a swarmy schmuck 
Dr. Drew it is, because, like, he basically, like, I mean, he, he literally, like, mind-zonks them to all vote him into being the chairman, you know, so, so even if you, I mean, uh, even if you just thought, oh, well, he, he, you might think, like, oh, he's a lame but his heart is in the right place, but it's not even that. He's a lame and he's kind of scummy, you know, like, so. No, yeah, he like, just wants to be in control. He wants to be in control. Yeah. 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 And it's just, it's just like one of those things where like when he finally left, you know, I was just kind of like, all right, well later for you, dude, like you clearly don't deserve to be here. You know what I mean? Like, and I think some of the, the stuff in this, like since it's Walt Simonson, like I feel like it, it later ties into like his ideas here later tie into the stuff he would do on the Fantastic Four. Because you notice how Thor's with them there, and they're going through all those time bubbles and shit like that. And you know how in this they were like, oh, it, like, Nebula was so adamant, like, oh, Thor must be there. Like, she, he, Thor has to be there as part of the team that breaches the time bubble. And I'm just kind of like, oh, isn't it interesting that, like, Thor guest starred in all those Walt Simonson issues? Because he was like, you know, he had to be there for the time bubble breach or whatever. And I was like, that's <laughs> kind of funny. But, you know, that, that that's some of the stuff that I thought of when, when I was revisiting this, where I was like, oh, I guess that kind of ties into his run on Fantastic Four in a weird way. Like, he sort of picked up some of the threads of this stuff that, you know, probably got abandoned once, you know, once he stopped writing Avengers. And, you know, it, it kind of dovetailed into other, you know, other storylines and events and stuff. But... You know, it's an interesting era. I mean, I I don't I don't have as strong feelings as I do about like bomber jackets or anything. But I mean, I think I think each of the incarnations we discussed, like this incarnation with you know Druid, Thor, She Hulk, and and Black Knight, and and the incarnation with the Captain and Gilgamesh and Mister Fantastic and Invisible Woman and all that, like they're they're very kind of niche you know it's like it's like if you if you were first introduced to the avengers with it you might have some sentimentality about it but i mean they're not it's not the roger stern era avengers it's not the stanley jack kirby avengers or the the kree scroll war era avengers you know they're not they're not super iconic i don't think you know nobody would call those the, the fitted teams yeah I will, I will say is like as far as this issue being like a standalone. If you read it just for this issue, like I did, because I don't really, I didn't really know about the. I knew a little bit about the the cross time Kane cancel because I remember reading one issue of that where Doctor Druid was becoming you know more and more of an asshole. It's like he already was an asshole and then he became a bigger asshole. I don't know how you can do that. The, this issue was like you know not hard to get into because like you know after a while you just kind of roll with it. You're like okay, this is what's going on. But I do agree, Nebula being there was kind of weird. I do agree with you, Derek, because you're used to her being a cosmic villain, and this is more of a timey wimey thing. And I'm like, eh, eh, I don't know if that makes sense, you know. And like you, it was like for a minute from the cover, I knew it was Nebula. I was like, what's Nebula dressed up like Kang for? Because I forgot that she was, you know, infiltrating him. And then, like, you know, as the issue went on and she explained her, like, devious mental plans. Or, like, just did, you know, villain exposition, I should say. Really? So Nebula's, like, supposedly some top-tier villain? And I did not get that. I agree. She kind of came all lame in this. <laughs> what did what, what did you think of this, Mike? Like, had you read this before? Pretty certain I had read this before. when I Like, I did a read-through of Avengers at some point, too. And uh, I don't remember anything about it. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's I don't know. Like, I, I I clearly didn't like this era of the Avengers. And 
you know, aside from Dr. Druid looking like lame and being generally lame, like, yeah, I wasn't like too into this. So I did, I think I did laugh when like they're all under mind control and like She-Hulk's throwing Black Knight out and Black Knight's like, I understand. Like, you know, someone's got to, <laughs> <laughs> someone's got to be thrown out. So it might as well okay. be me. It's like Black, Black Knight when he's in that armor, he's like Eeyore or something. End of the road. Nothing to do. And no hope of things getting better. Oh yeah, I was gonna say like like this version of Dane Whitman is like my least favorite incarnation of Black Knight. Like the cursed armor was just a, a horrible thing for him because they just wrote him like like you said, Derek, so mopey, just like, oh I'm cursed. You know, I, I drew blood with the ebony blade and uh I'll never be, you know, able to blah, 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 blah. Shut up. <laughs> I know a lot of times people, or at least, you know, I, I know a lot of times maybe the the Detroit, Justice League Detroit era of the Justice League sometimes, like, gets compared hand-in-hand hand with the bomber jacket era of Avengers. But I really feel like the, the way the Detroit era league went out in Legends, like, a lot of them kind of went out like punks basically and got like mercilessly killed off and everything before that volume of justice league wrapped up i i feel like that's more in line with this issue it's like it's like those guys were probably not as popular just like dr druid wasn't as popular and at least this this kind of incarnation of black knight clearly was kind of nerfed do you know what i mean so it's like it's like yeah. by the and by the end of it it's almost like you know they they basically dissolved the avengers because you know black knight and thor are going off to have like a buddy movie or whatever and and she hulk's just like oh i can't do this anymore like this totally you know this totally got my field dads going and and i need to you know totally take a, a mental health day or whatever and, and <laughs> you know not not think about this anymore so you know I mean, we'll of ice cream <laughs> so it really did feel like to me like like this particular incarnation of the avengers is really more like justice league detroit than the bomber jacket era because you know i i, I can't remember but I, I i don't remember a moment where the bomber jacket guys are like we all suck let's disband do you know what I mean? Like, whereas these guys are kind of like, we all suck with this band, you know? Like, so, I don't know. But, well, it's because well, the bomber jacket era is awesome. <laughs> well, I, I think it really hurts this, 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 like, incarnation of the team is you have Dr. Druid, who is the de facto leader, because he, like you said, he minds off everybody to be that leader. But, like, when you have a leader who is so unlikable, even if, if it's for a storyline, a plot convenience, it's like, no, you want a Captain America or even a Tony Stark who may be like, you know, Civil War Tony Stark or you want like, you know, Photon. I mean, I, I like Monica Rambeau, but like, why would you like want to read about an asshole every issue? <laughs> He's the leader and he sucks. <laughs> OK, Bill, are we ready? Sure, Paul. Oh, wait, be right back. I need my Avengers omnibus. Uh, where did I put that thing? Well, Bill looks for that. Let me tell you about our new endeavor. Two True Freaks has grown, and Back to the Bins is growing with it. I, Paul Spataro, along with Bill Robinson and Scott Gardner. Just say his name three times in an email, and he'll appear in your show. Hey, how's it going? Ah, sorry, sorry, I forgot I had a Scott Gardner life model decoy in here. Be right there. Ow! Ow, oh, who put Cap's shield there? <laughs> anyway... 
we're looking to showcase various characters, storylines, issues, or whatever strikes our fancy from the world of the Avengers. Hey, Ben, move that funny-looking hammer, would you? It's, it's on that book, and I can't move it. Sure thing, Dad. Where do you want it? Uh, over there somewhere. No! Watch out for the repulsor! Ow! Oh! Don't tell your mother. We like to call it Avengers Spotlight. I thought it was going to be called Old Avengers Never Die, They Just Get Reassembled and Sent to Another Earth. What? Too wordy? Who knows what we'll cover, and who might stop by? So join us for the Avengers Spotlight, where we'll look at Earth's greatest heroes and some of comics' greatest stories, such as the Korvac Saga, Acts of Vengeance, the Kree-Skrull War, and, oh, for the love of Christ, who the hell put the Celestial Madonna Saga on this list? Huh. I found a use for that life model decoy after all. Okay, found it. We ready? Hey, wait a minute. This is the book of the Vashanti. <sighs> Forget it. See you soon, everybody. My favorite Avengers are D-Man and Green Lantern. Say goodnight, Scott. Goodnight, Scott. I think I think hopefully we can we can go into some some more fun Thor stuff here with the book that that Tony brought tonight. Why don't you tell us? We'll, we'll move away from from spectacular Avenger teams and and go into some some awesome new teams on the horizon in this comic. So why don't you tell us what you brought tonight and, and what we're going to be talking about? Yeah, this one is actually kind of interesting because kind of like the Fantastic Four, I was never like a huge Thor fan and nothing wrong with that. But you know, I, I like the character. I have no problem with him as a character. But this issue is Thor 412. It's Ron Friends and Joe Sennett did the uh, cover. And Friends is back on board for the pencils and the writer is Tom DeFalco. And this we get the stunning debut of the hottest new super team in Marvel, the New Warriors. If you don't know who the New Warriors are, me and fellow fanhole Brian's favorite, like, you know, 90s team. We, we love the New Warriors. Just just something about them. If you don't know who they are, they are a, a hodgepodge of new and, and classic characters. You have a Night Thrasher and, and Speedball as, like, the new guys. You have characters like Nova, Vance Astro, and Firestar as, you know, the classic ones, and Namorita as well and yeah it was just it, it was a fun team they were a teen super teen they were basically kind of like kind of like answer to the new teen titans for marvel i think because the x-men were a teenage super team but they were mutants you know and they made you know the teen titans more like the x-men at a certain point and then here comes marvel to make like a team more like you know the justice league with younger heroes but this is a thor issue and the reason the new warriors get involved is because thor is fighting probably one of the best villains he could face the juggernaut kane marco is just uh, a beast he is he is not smart but he's powerful as all get out and thor was actually having trouble at this point uh, he was eric masterson in his alter ego and he was having some kind of woozy wonky thing going on with him i think he was cursed by something uh, i can't remember exactly like the issue before this because i didn't read it but juggernaut gets the upper hand on him and he like you know puts the smackdown on him and here come the new warriors to save the day new warriors against juggernaut even though i love the team don't really stand a snowball's chance in hell, <laughs> but they do a good job of distracting him. They, they they take the heat off Thor for long enough for him to recover and, you know, get his bearings back. And Thor goes back at Juggernaut in full force. Eventually, you know, it's it's the Juggernaut can't be stopped. You, you can't best him in physical combat. So 
using New Warriors abilities, especially like Firestar's ability to project microwaves. They melt a bunch of steel beams around them, and Thor, uh, in one of his lesser used abilities, he uh, summons a dimensional portal and banishes him away to like the far-flung reaches of the universe, where he breaks free. And the last thing you see uh, Kane Marco shout is, I don't know where I am, but I want to get back and get you, Thor. You know, like, I'm going to get you. And with that, we go back to the new warriors hanging out with our, our good buddy Thor, and he gives him the thumbs up. And, and he, in true Marvel style, he says, I am sure many will be able to further experience the exploits of the new warriors. And of course, there's a blurb that they're going to get their own comics in. There's not a lot to s- explain on the synopsis just because it is a lot of action. It's, it's a very action-heavy issue, which is which is cool. I like that. There's some, like, sidelines. You know, there's some stuff with Eric Masterson's son and his estranged wife, so that's kind of cool. Hercules even shows up, you know. And even better, there's a Beta Ray Bill backup story. And I love Beta Ray Bill. So this is a really fun issue. I really liked it. I got off a spinner rack at a Walden Books back in the day. They had these nice, cool plexiglass spinner racks. I don't know if yeah. they... Yeah, I, if I could find one of those to buy, I would be in like heaven. I would, I would totally buy a, a Walden Books plexiglass spinner. Yeah, they were just yeah, they were like futuristic and I don't know, they were they were just cool. Yeah, I, I just have fond memories of this issue. It got me totally hyped for the New Warriors. I was a kid and I was still kind of a teenager. I was like, I think I think it was like, let's see, the the years came out. It was. I have to actually look this up. I forgot. I, I... See, you know what? What's interesting is because th- this is the the main reason why I I, I would have been buying. Mo- you know, obviously it, it varies depending on where I got comics. But by this point, I knew of comic book stores, and I I'm pretty sure I would have bought this. You know, at a comic shop when it came out. But this came out. The on sale date was October 1989. And and I have distinct memories, and I just went to confirm. Like the on sale date of the New Warriors number one was May twenty second, nineteen ninety, and it's like so so like you're saying it does it does lead into their ongoing series. But I I feel like for some reason I had bought the New Warriors number one before I knew about their first appearance if that makes any sense so i i remember being surprised because i think i think i got this as like a back issue or something you know because i was trying to catch up or, or get all the acts of vengeance tie-ins that i might have missed if i was trying to get them from you know the comic store or spinner rack or whatever so i but but i do remember reading this and i, I remember it being a big deal because this was this was the first time that Thor had, I mean, you know, it's like the whole gist of Acts of Vengeance was they were trying to do like this kind of switch and swap thing where it was supposed to make everything kind of new and interesting where, you know, Spider-Man would fight villains that, you know, belong to Iron Man or belong to Thor or belong to other, other folks. But yeah, you know? And here Thor's fighting, you know, he's fighting a traditionally an, an X-Man villain, you know, in, in Juggernaut. But, but I mean, it definitely seemed like a good pairing and everything. And they, they do have a good, you know, good showdown. You know, I mean, this is almost like the second second part of their showdown, you know, because the, the new warriors have to step in to kind of, you know, help him out or whatever. Like, I, I think my favorite panel in this kind of like how we talked about how epic 
Ron Friends's splash page was in Thor 391. It's not a splash page, but that that one scene where Namorita and Nova throw those box cars at Juggernaut, like I I I think that's great. Yeah, yeah, it does, it does show really awesome page. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I was about upon this a little bit, and uh, Derek has started his first impressions. Uh, what about you guys, uh, Justin and Mike? Like, uh, what do you think of the, the debut of the stunning new warriors, and of course, not to be undersold, Thor versus Juggernaut? Can I be perfectly honest here? Like, Tony, I was hoping you wouldn't show up for this episode because I didn't want to talk about the new warriors because I don't really like them. <laughs> 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 and I, I know that you and Brian are really big fans of the New Warriors, but I, I'm really not. Like, the only time I ever really cared about the New Warriors was when Ben Riley was a member of the New Warriors. But, like, other than that, I've, I don't know, something about them just never really clicked with me. I, I had never read this issue before, and, like, it, it was actually a pretty good issue. Although there was some moments where I was like, oh, man, like – Exactly what is Night Thrasher gonna do against Juggernaut? He's like zipping around on his skateboard. I'm yeah. like, come on. But like like Tony said, like yeah, that's there funny. there is like this really great battle going on. And there is this really great battle between Thor and Juggernaut. I mean Thor is just blasting away at Juggernaut like two like two or three times and he's just full forest and you know, Juggernaut's like, Oh, that tick will do it again. And then, you know, Thor's like, let the juggernaut fall, and he's just still standing, man. Like, it's a really great battle. I like that. But, you know, just, you know, being perfectly honest, was never really a big fan of the New Warriors. Hey, that's fair. Nothing wrong with that. You're wrong, but, I mean, nothing wrong with that. (laughs) No, I mean, I'll speak up for the New Warriors. I mean, I I read their book for two years. I mean, I I obviously was was interested in them. I, I, I think it was funny because I was so used to, to Mark Bagley's pencils, and, you know, and I was reading that book, you know, whether I got a few issues off the spinner rack or from the comic store or his back issues or whatever. And then, and then I remember picking this up and, and I, I remember it was, it was one of those things where like, you know, obviously we're, we're giving Ron friends a lot of praise, but I think at the time I was probably like one of those stupid kids that was like, wait, these don't look like the new warriors. Cause it's not Mark Bagley, you know? And I was like, you know, weirded out by, you know, Ron Friends' style. It does do a disservice to Speedball because without a more modern artist, his costume is really hard to do in a classic style and look cool. <laughs> and and I guess, I mean, I, I totally agree with the whole notion of, like, what the hell is Night Thrasher going to do? I mean, this is this is probably the whole thing that, that spurred, you know, Dwayne McDuffie's whole, you know, skateboard, you know, I won't go into it, but, you know, that, that, that whole kind of joke he made about you know, Rocket Racer and Night Thrasher and all these guys where it's just like, you know, they're they're pretty ridiculous. He's like, I've got a skateboard and attitude juggernaut, you know, and it's like, <laughs> okay, whatever. You know, and it, and it kind of cracked me up that like he technically is supposed to be their leader, but he, he, he it's like he's their leader and their their wild card all at the same time in yeah. this issue. So it was like they hadn't they hadn't quite figured him out yet, you know, because it's like he, he really should be their Batman you know, prep time guy, like directing them from behind the scenes. But instead he, he actually like loses it where he's like, damn it, Juggernaut, you making me crazy. And he's like trying to like, you know, beat him up. With yeah. He's like vlogging on the back of his helmet. Like that's going to work. <laughs> See, <laughs> He's like, get the hell away. From it's me, funny you, you know? say that because like, I thought Marvel boy was like the leader. 
so that shows how little I know about the new warriors, but like, that's, that's just like the impression I got from reading this. That's, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I, I think, I think that's true. Just like the art is sort of a little, not what you'd expect when you go and read the new warriors book. I think even the, the characterizations of some of these characters, it's like, it, it's like one of those things where it's like, it's, it's a, it's like a TV pilot with like different actors or like a, you, you know what I mean? Like, like, yeah. Yeah, Slusher does seem to do a lot of the planning during the battle. He's like, let's do this. And like, Night Thrush is just like, no, let's beat him off. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's like, it's like they, they, they didn't really have it all figured out, obviously. And then, and then the, the, I think what you mentioned too, which I, I feel like this would, would always come up on like superhero showdown wizard world boards when we all used to go to the the you know message boards and argue over who could kick whose ass it's like the juggernaut always got tons of props i mean even though he's defeated in this like people are like dude thor used the god force on juggernaut and it didn't do anything to him you know and it's like it's like one of those things where it's like that's why you know you know people will get butt hurt when i come up and say yeah but superman like one punch the juggernaut so obviously like <laughs> the thing shit you know or whatever you know like so but you know it's like one of those things where it's like obviously like that sequence is is very impressive and 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 even though you know juggernaut is kind of defeated in a similar way to how Spider-Man defeats him, you know, where he's sort of like buried and then transported away. It it, it did create sort of like an interesting rivalry between the two of those characters. Cause I, I think like, I think it's like 429 and 430. Like eventually he, he escapes that prison or, or I, I don't know if he escapes it or somehow Thor gets transported there. So, something like that. There, there, there's basically like a rematch like later on and stuff like that. So and 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 then that Beta Ray Bill backup that that Tony mentioned has some some really nice Ron Lim art as yeah. well. Some early early Ron Lim pencils. So I mean, and obviously there's not a lot of meat to that story because it's it's kind of a little slice of 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 a ongoing backup strip. But I mean, the art is really nice. Yeah. What What do you think about Mike? Did you uh, enjoy the New Warriors or do they suck? <laughs> I had never read this, and, like, I, I always knew that the New Warriors, like, debuted in Thor, but, like, I never had an opportunity to read it, so I was, like, happy I did, and, yeah, I pretty much agree with everyone, what everyone is saying, except Justin, because I, I think that, I mean, uh, what do you call it? I, I think the New Warriors are pretty okay, like, I mean, I've, I think I, I like like i like the characters basically if i even if i haven't really like you know had any like fidelity to the team itself but no i mean yeah like uh, i i echo what derek was saying about like ron friends's art i mean yeah that that boxcar scene is pretty badass like and yeah like i everyone makes a pretty good showing like I I feel like Marvel Boys like telekinesis seemed like a little weaker than like I'm used to from him basically like I don't know like he's kind of like throwing up debris and it's just it looks like kind of like pebbles like hitting Juggernaut and I mean technically like you know even if you threw boulders at Juggernaut they would just be pebbles to him but I feel like it wasn't as impressive as it could have been and then yeah like I I think maybe I think maybe you know he had to have some place to go yeah. you know cuz like you know th think of it as maybe like you know in this and and the early issues of New Warriors he was like hot rod and then maybe when you saw him in Perez and Busick's Avengers he was a little more Rodimus than hot rod I guess He was justice <laughs> Yeah 
And then, yeah, also I had to laugh at, like, Night Thrasher, like, you know, trying to go just zipping around on his skateboard, trying to, like, do stuff to the Juggernaut. And then, like, like Firestar has to, like, you know, pull him out of there, and he's like, let me go! Like, let me go back and fight the Juggernaut! Like, ah! It's like some cranky baby or something, yeah. Yeah, I I, I did, like, uh, Night Thrasher's ultimate attack, where he, uh, does some skateboard jitsu and like smacks Juggernaut on the face with like skateboard is like the fuck was that? That did nothing. <laughs> it's like it's like full panel, but yeah. I think maybe in this the editors gave him the note like Night Thrasher's the loose cannon of the team, and then later it somehow got turned into Night Thrasher's the guy who finances and leads the team, and it's like whoops, <laughs> right? <laughs> He's a crazy guy. The, I agree with like the art. Um, you know, even from the cover. Firestorm, uh, Firestar really does look more like her uh, Amazing Friends version. You know, she's got like the trail and stuff, which Bagley did kind of alter. And I, I can't get past Name Rita's like really bad weave that comes out of her head, like as far as her ponytail. Um, it's not bad, like, you know, but uh, I don't know. I, I think uh, Bagley made uh, Name Rita look really sexy. One thing I was going to bring up just for the new Warriors fans, what did you guys think about the whole like, and I'll go back to Thor. Don't worry. I mean, the you know, this is a Thor episode. What do you guys think of Kid Nova? Because it was Richard Ryder, and he was Nova, and then they made him Kid Nova for, like, a few issues. It's funny. I, I feel like I just repeat myself, but I remember when Brian had me read that original run of Nova, and then I, you know, I kind of read it all and tried to follow, like, basically, like, fill in the gaps because when I was first introduced to Nova, it was new warriors number one, basically. And he was kid Nova. So I was just trying to figure out like, okay, he had no powers in that. And then night thrasher basically takes him up to the roof <laughs> and threatens to throw him off. And he the building. does. <laughs> he does. And then, and then his powers come back before he hits splat. And he's like, woo, I can fly again. Like, thanks bro. You totally knew that. And night thrasher's like, dog i didn't know shit you know and it's like what you know and then he's all mad and stuff you know and and it, it was just like one of those things where i was like well when did he lose his powers exactly you know what i mean so i was like trying to like figure out when that all happened and i think like he ended up like his story i think marv wolfman was writing the fantastic four so they stuck nova in it but it was just kind of like you know i, I basically again there there's there's these gaps where like you don't know what happened to to get him to that point you know so and 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 i don't think i ever will but you know i mean as far as like what i think of kid nova like i don't think i thought anything of it at the time and now that i now that i see it in context i'm kind of like well he was always nova you know yeah. like so i don't know the kid part just seemed like you know like you're saying they're trying to make a, a teen titans-esque group and make him sound a little more teeny and hip. I guess. Yeah. He's not for the seventies. He's, he's for the nineties guys. <laughs> um, he's not, he's not man Nova. <laughs> he's not balls out grown ass man Nova, but, but to go back to Thor, cause like, you know, like I said, you, you do want to get back to Thor. This was an acts of vengeance tie. And like Derek said, I actually uh, omitted that unintentionally. Loki was doing some stuff during acts of vengeance and did you guys like the uh, whole idea of X Avengers where Loki was like this supreme mastermind? Like he, he, he like goaded a lot of like high level villains. And I mean, really, I mean, you got to think about it as far as intelligence or like, you know, uh, strategy. 
putting Juggernaut against Thor was a pretty smart fucking move. So, I mean, I think Loki was really becoming a even better villain during Acts of Vengeance. I, I remember at the time, I didn't have enough Marvel knowledge. Like, I didn't know who the... I, I forget what they called him when he, he serviced all the different you know, cabal of bad guys, but he was just like, I don't know, the butler or whatever the fuck, right? But like, like, I don't, I don't think, I, I was not at that point, you know, a diehard veteran comic book fan. Like, I, I didn't just look at it and go, duh, that's Loki, dumbass. <laughs> you know, like at the time I was like, I was like, I don't know who this guy is. And then when, when he like rips off his outfit at the end, he's like, you fucking fools! <laughs> you know, he's like, I am fucking Loki! You know, I created the Avengers, you asswipes! <laughs> I will destroy you! You know, and stuff. It's like, then to me as a, as a kid, I was kind of like, whoa, like that's cool. You know, like I, I had no idea that was coming, but I think you know it it, it it was i i don't i think when i first read this issue you know they have those sequences where they cut back to him in his business suit and everything and he's not dressed up like loki and i don't think i had any idea that he was loki but there, there was a part of me was saying so, like why is namor making everybody fight everyone <laughs> I just, for me, I guess it's like it's hard to give Loki props for something that you didn't know was him. Sure. You know, like when when I was a kid at the time, I didn't know it was him until until like that last chapter, and then I was like, "Whoa, that's." Cool. I I remember like being a kid and getting a trading card, and I think it was like Famous Battles, Acts of Vengeance, and it had like you know Kingpin, Magneto, Doom. I think Red Skull was on it, and you had like loki like you know looming in the background like that's that's what i always kind of like remember like other than the big like you know magneto and red skull face off which i love of course because i'm a huge magneto fanboy but like i just remember like getting that card either from a pack or from a, a friend because we would always trade and i'm just like what's that's a vengeance and you turn it over on the back and you're just like oh so that's what that is okay like that i kind of miss that because the like you know, if, if you're a kid and you don't have, you know, like if you were a kid in the 80s, you know, we, we didn't have the Internet, of course. And you, and, and you if, can't buy everything. Yeah, it's just yeah, too much. If, yeah. if you couldn't if you couldn't go back and read, you know, all these years of comics, even if you wanted to, like sometimes you got your information from wherever you could, whether it was, you know, Comic Buyer's Guide or Friends at School or some random magazine. But a lot of times I remember like. Uh, you know, gleaming little nuggets of info from like various trading cards from Marvel. Yeah, because they had all those like historical yeah. battle yeah. parts of the card sets, and th those card sets were kind of like the the official handbooks or who's who's of the day, you know, too. Because a lot of times you'd have all the different characters, and then they'd have their stats and kind of you know the basic gist of like who they were and everything like that. So yeah. I mean, I totally see that. And I remember one, like, like I think it was the Impel uh, series. They had like power level rankings, and always at the top, like the the the, the highest power level was this picture of just Galactus's face, and like nobody ever got to like that level. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, Derek was talking about the wizard battles and stuff on the internet. Like, I remember getting some of those cards Tony's talking about, where they had power levels, and I remember like getting into like some really like fierce arguments in the playground, like because like I remember like having like the in betweeners trading card, and I'm like, who the crap is the in betweener? Like, I've never heard of this guy, but he's super <laughs> powerful. So I'd always be like, okay, like well, I was like, I don't know who this in betweener guy is, but like he's totally gonna kick Wolverine's butt. 
the in-betweener totally would yeah yeah but you know when you're like in in second grade and all your buddies love wolverine and you don't that's like a (laughs) four-hour argument and then later a fist fight and then later a trip to the principal's office (laughs) is he is he the guy that had like a karate gi and like he was half black half white and bald yes yeah yeah he looked he looked like frank orshin in star trek (laughs) yeah yeah He he basically he basically made Silver Surfer's life a pain in the ass. Yep. So yeah, nice. It's a fun comic. That, that's all I can say. It, it it's fun. It's silly. And if you do like New Warriors, I I I'd check it out. If you guys got anything else to say, like you know, feel free. I'll just say that I I don't hate the New Warriors. I just have no enthusiasm for them as a team. I will say like you know, being a big Namor fan, I do like Namorita, and I do like. Firestar and Vance when they were part of the Avengers, the Kurt the Kurt Busiek run. But even then, I, I still had no enthusiasm to like go back and and read their like you know, sexy teen adventures on the new world. <laughs> it's, it's okay. I think I still get shit this day because I'm like that that one guy like during the like late nineties, early two thousands. Like, I don't I don't get Runaways. Why does everybody love this comic? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, secret, yeah, secret brothers right there. I, I was about to say, I guess the new warriors to Justin is to runaways to Derek for the SAT yeah. winning question. The, the only, the only but runaways yeah. that matter to me is, of course, the band. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Warlord Worlds a fan podcast devoted to the comic creations of Mike Grell, including Warlord, John Sable, Star Slayer, Shaman's Tears, and Green Arrow. I'm Darren. And I'm Ruth. Join us as we discuss the stories, characters, and art in the many excellent comics from writer and artist Mike Grell. Warlord Worlds is available at podbean.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. Find us at warlordworlds.com. So I I think this wraps up our, our Thor stories from the spinner rack coverage if you guys have any comments questions and or concerns you can email us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com if you like listening to comics motherfucker do you read them we have all kinds of spin-off shows we've got transformers tuesdays toku thursdays sentai saturdays mobile suit mondays big in japan and of course the fanholes podcast proper so, of course, we're on iTunes. We can be streamed on Stitcher Radio. We appreciate all the likes and feedback that we get on social media, Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram. And until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, saying in now. I must sign off. This is Mike Thunderwing signing off. And this is Justin. I'm a cherry bomb. <laughs> This is Tony, and even Hogan could tell you that throwing smoke bombs at a juggernaut is not going to work.
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I just gotta call up that Wikipedia uh, summary of my issue. Avengers Annual 16. Starring Black Knight, Captain America, Captain Marvel, Douchebag Dr. Druid. And I'm not lying, it says Douchebag Dr. Druid, no. <laughs> I'm gonna, let me just copy all this and put it in a notepad document, because I hate the fucking Wikipedia, like, things that have too many ads. Well, it's like some, some like the Transformers wiki, like never slows my computer down, but like a bunch of other like wikis, like usually like bring everything to a crawl because they've got so much ad space. I, I remember and... after they at work when they started banning like Flash and all this other stuff just because it got too crazy. I just finally like I never used to put ad block on my stuff, but after that, I was like, it just it's too crazy now. So I just. Yeah. I don't care. I'm like, they're like, you know, DeviantArt's like, please turn on the ads. It's the only way we get. Fuck you. <laughs> you <know>? Yeah. That's <laughs> how I feel too. These ads must be ended. Enow. Enow. Damn it, Campbell. He's <laughs> running around. Hang on. Let me wait for him to get settled. Lay down. Silence this. Beast. Hogan. Hercules. <laughs> Hercules, the best babysitter around. <laughs> I'm like, dude, Hercules should have fucking stopped babysitting and helped Thor fight Juggernaut. What the yeah, fuck? he's like all like worried about his kids. Like, oh, you know, <laughs> young Gavin Masterson. If only Dad's they could. does love you. <laughs> If only they could have gave Hercules a skateboard. If you guys want to learn more about Night Thrasher, probably don't read any comics because I don't think he's in any of them anymore. <laughs> Thor's like, Zounds, thou art a radical. I, I think technically Night Thrasher is Isn't one he? of those people that would have been in the Legion of Dead that has never come back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. You know what? I think he came back like really recently. He like, did. Yeah. He did. Uh, like in that that champions book? No, not champions. Uh, that contest of champions book well, or was, whatever. Was this like was, was that was that champion? him or was that his brother? Uh, his brother's still around, but like the real, the first one, okay. I guess, like was resurrected. Oh, was, it was yeah, Dwayne? it was the real, yeah. the real guy was yeah. resurrected. Huh. Weird. I will inherit my brother's name. I will become Night Smasher. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and I will use a I use like, a pogo ball. He's, he's like, 90s. he's like, he's like, he's like. Now that Dwayne's back, he's the original Night Thrasher. I must become Night Thrasher Two Electric Boogaloo. You know what saved Thor in that battle with Juggernaut, right? Titty discs. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs>
I hope we were recording still. <laughs> yeah, we are. We totally are. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, yeah, that's that's what's in the uh, the synopsis. Right? Yeah. Like, thanks to the god, thanks to the god force and Thor's city discs, Shuggernaut was banished to an otherworldly realm, never to be seen again until like Thor fourteen nine when he is thanks seen to again. the incredible power of. Titty discs! <laughs> Thor, I'll get revenge on you and your titty discs! You vain, cruel titty disc boy! That doesn't get old. Like I said, every once in a while, I, I pull out a good nugget of comedy every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> 